Welcome back to the Campaign Builder. I'm Dan. And I'm Adam. And we're showing you how to build a campaign to get characters from level 1 to level 20. We know that your table is different than ours, so feel free to use, adapt, and throw away whatever you need to in order to make things work for your campaign. We're expecting a well-rounded party, so we're designing encounters for the following five general archetypes. A warrior, a priest, a mage, a criminal, and an outdoorsman. We now have a level 3 party, and they're so very close to hunting down their nemeses. As things continue to ramp up in intensity, the party prepares for the final showdown with the people who have been harassing and assaulting them since day one. Let's get to building. So we're here. We're finally here. We're at the end of this arc through the first half of tier one about dealing with these direct antagonists of Lachlan's lot. This feels a little early, but we, we want to end a this kind of story arc early for a very specific reason. Low-level play is often relatively sterile. It's a little bit boring or it's incredibly deadly. There's very little in between. And we've done everything in our power to create these dynamic encounters that are a little bit strange that are going to add a certain amount of depth to your campaign. And we've been dealing with the low-level problem since day one, this consistent guild warfare, because we're going to blow this up to be, you know, we're going from the problem within our city to the problem within this region. That's what's next, because as we know, the gods have gone missing, but the Underdark is going to start flooding in here in the like within a handful of, of sessions, right? We're really going to start to feel the rumblings of the campaign. Then we're going to be dealing with the, the world as a whole and then the planes. So we got to resolve this guild level stuff, but we're not done with Lachlan's lot yet. Remember, for all of Lachlan's lot that we've dealt with, we've never met Lachlan. We've no. met his crazy uncle, who we never gave a name to. Right. Remember, naming the NPC is the least important part of building the NPC, of building the villain. We just know that he's out there and he's got a bunch of high-powered thugs. High power to us is fourth level, right? It's it's the level beyond what we are now. Yeah. So there are a bunch of people out there. There are his lieutenants. There are there are his captains. There are the people that he is consistently throwing at us and we're trying to hunt down a handful and he's got contacts. And, and this has been an issue. It's been a problem. He's done character assassination, assault, uh, break and entry. Like there's all this illegal shit that these guys have been doing to us since day one. And we're not talking about rewards now. We're not talking about boons and becoming a folk hero. We're, we're talking, talking about, about revenge. revenge. Yeah. This is vengeance. Your players have been running around like chickens with their heads cut off for a while here. And it's because of these guys. And before they can move on to bigger and better things, they've got to prove themselves. And that's why you have this constant ongoing issue at low level, which will then get a resolution also at relatively low level so that you can really step up. It wasn't enough to win the court case. You have to bring these little bastards to justice. This is it. And seeing how the party is going to handle that level of challenge is going to give you a lot of information as a dungeon master. Because when you've got to bring someone in, but you go for the kill instead, you are more vicious. This is going to spiral out in ways that, that we don't know yet. Positive yeah. and negative, right? And so it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how the party handles these challenges moving forward. And they've got big decisions to make. When you have the power, what do you do with it? Now, keep in mind that we are focusing on the dynamic encounters. There will be other encounters in the middle uh, and in and around these ones. The standard encounters or even just random table encounters as well. Um, there will be the opportunity to have, uh, you know, some some long rests or to just have a, a basic, oh, a monster attacks or you bump into a thug in the alley or I'm going to go flirt with the barmaid. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about dynamic encounters where you you start off in in one one of the pillars of D&D &D and you end up somewhere else. It's really really key as things get out of control as we ramp up to the final end as our players are starting to get the idea that there's a light at the end of this tunnel that we continue to keep things interesting and engaging all of the time. And and this is really going to as well as as we're Wrapping up to the end of this, this is going to give a sense of catharsis. It's going to give a sense of completion and, and give your characters a chance to finally look. Uh, once this is all done, once once they have resolved this issue, it's going to give them a chance to really look at 
They're now bigger problems that we have been setting up in the background almost, uh, sometimes directly in front of them, the past three levels. And and we know at the end of this session, they're probably going to level to level four. They're going to be able to move on to the next leg of what we have as a story for uh, tier one. But there there's a clear ending point to a story arc here and with any sense of that you will you will have this breathe this moment of breathing this moment of catharsis this this everyone high fives around the table as the final boss is killed or high fives through webcam screens because that's how we do it now so i gotta give a question to you here adam of when you have this catharsis this story arc is ending um your your players are engaged moving forward because you've you've planted in this little bit of information about what can happen next how how do you give a sufficient enough cathartic feeling to a story that isn't really ending? Think about it like chapters in a book, right? Think about it like the season ending in a television show where you are wrapping up this season's big bad guy. You have gotten to the end of this current location, this current theme uh, that we're dealing with here. And the theme really has been guild warfare where you are going to walk away as the powerful guild in comparison. Yeah. You're not going to be the most powerful one in the region, right? That, that's not what we're doing here. We're just saying that comparatively with your direct enemy, you ended up winning. This doesn't solve the problem. There will still be people uh, as you as you are shame walking them in handcuffs, right? Back to back to the uh jailhouse or as you are swinging the axe for the final public execution, whatever it is that you do, there are still people that are freaking out in the streets that are wearing their sandwich boards and say the end is nigh. The gods have gone missing. The overarching feel and theme and plot is still there. We've just solved this problem. This one is small potatoes. And we need to keep dropping hints all the way through that this story is not over by a long shot. However, we shouldn't really be launching the next story yet We've already launched it in secret. That's what this mage is. Yeah. That's what this whole thing against Lachlan's lot is. It's, we're proving ourselves because we need to get on the radar of bigger, more powerful people. This is our actual launching platform. This session is the one that will determine what direction we go from here. But the players don't know that yet. This is going to make you sound like a really smart dungeon master later. Like, oh, yeah, well, I, I spent 12 <laughs> sessions building you to the point where now you're ready to actually be a mover and a shaker. It is about the the constant idea. There's an intellectual idea that there's more to happen here, but the emotional story beat is over because you have successfully defeated this enemy puzzle challenge, whatever it is. This is the moment of catharsis. And I highly suggest you do this early so that your players are excited to come back and get more of this. Because remember, the next big enemy fight situation that we're doing, our next big story beat, is betrayal by this mage, yeah. right? And and this, this fight with the mage and there being an imp. We're introducing devils for the first time. There's going to be some interesting stuff that's happening here. And the party is really going to get to dig deep into it. We Because we plotted ahead of time what our general storyline is going to be, we know what these beats are. And it's going to be the next one is a sense of betrayal there's going to be some bitter sweetness to that victory let's give them a solid cathartic victory and let them take their gloves yeah. off and go to town because maybe this is the opportunity for them to go full full murder but maybe maybe they need to watch their step too because they're not in their hometown yeah it's a complicated scenario and they need to walk away from it feeling great so if, if you're not letting them go full murder, Hobo, if you're not giving them the boons and rewards and everything else that, that you wanted to give um, or or that you feel like the party might think they deserve, how are you going to give that party a real sense of victory when they've brought this guy down? For me, what I like to do is I, I like to give them, it's not a boon or a reward. It's not a title. It's I like just giving them a modicum of respect in the people around the town. Have an NPC come up and say, hey, thanks. Like some gratitude and some respect from the NPCs around will go miles and there's no monetary reward. It's like just a pat on the shoulder. Thanks, bud. You did good. And we're moving on. Uh, that's what I like to do. Um, I, I also like there to be some, if I can inject it in a little bit of character work progression um, that could give them a real sense of victory help because let's be completely honest. These first three levels are about building your knowledge of your character as a player. 
I know for me, I often don't have my full stride of a character until I'm about level three, right? When I'm making that decision of what subclass I want to go to and how that's going to play out, that's when I really hit the full stride and I start to understand what the character is as the player of that character. So being able to now start to inject a little bit of like character story stuff or or NPC work or relationship work, whatever it is inside of this minor victory that they have over Lachlan's Lot will will go miles at this stage of the game. I mean, it it's all about listening to what your party wants early and then implementing those things, keeping them engaged and responding to their feedback that way. Adam, you got anything to say in here? Dan, let me ask you something. You ever had an argument with someone in your head while you're standing in the shower where you were just so, or you're driving home, whatever it is, you are so mad at them and you just want to say this and you never will in real life, but God, in a perfect world, if I could put it like this I, to their I, face. I have, I have crippling social anxiety. Yes. Yes, I have done this thing many times. Does does this this little mental fantasy include their reaction? Like, does it include how it ends? Oh, every time. And every time, I'm the one that's all like, ha I win. And I storm off victorious. And what's their reaction? Uh, their reaction in my head when is- When you're yelling it, at me about podcast stuff in your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what let's, is my reaction? Let's, let's not mince words. Nine <laughs> times out of ten, it's, it's a conversation with you. Uh, <laughs> that other time, it's the conversation with my three-year-old. And he usually wins. Um, no, it's the- What usually happens is you've admitted uh, you're wrong, I'm right, and you are, uh, you know- regretful from whatever decision it is that you've made a lot of times i know that people really get off on the idea of uh making their nemesis or the person that they've been uh fighting uh making them feel bitter like they begrudgingly admit defeat they want to they want the person that's standing in their way to feel bad right i'm sorry did you just assume that you were my nemesis if i'm not your nemesis and i've been doing my job properly No, the nemesis in the scenario, right? Like whoever it is, whether it's your boss or your coworker or your ex who you broke up with, but you had to go pick up your box of shit and you you plan it out in your head, you know, I'm going to say this and they're going to cry as I walk away. Whatever it is, you are imposing. We all have that little, little negativity inside that wants the other person to feel like shit when we're done. And by, by God, we won. Yeah. That, that is catharsis for me. And I do that with my NPCs. If you leave the bad guy alive, then they are going to walk away licking their wounds, but they're going to be very public about it. It's going to be either a, you won't get away with this, or next time I'll get you, or it could just be them saying, you know what, God, uh, it shouldn't have been like this. It should not have been that way, and I can't believe that you did it, and I'm so mad at you. And, And like, have them cursing as they're taken away in handcuffs. Have them weeping as you walk away victorious having smashed the magical MacGuffin that they've been using to control the realm. Whatever it is. Yeah. Give them the negative weeping. Remove their power. And have them throw a tantrum of some sort. Have them react so negatively. And, and and it has to be focused in on themselves. It has to be almost laughable. Well, or, it, or, it, it needs to be pathetic to a certain extent. It does. Right? Like, like your, your party has to feel morally, positionally, egotistically more powerful. Yeah. And that's that's what this is, right? And so that's this level of catharsis that we're talking about. We've spoken about rewards. We've spoken about boons and and fame. We've spoken about um, different tactics that you can use and favors that you can give. But this is a real sense of reward because this strokes a different kind of ego that your players have. A lot of players are coming to these tables to work off their, their uh, to blow off steam, to work off a shitty week. They're here to have that escapism. And you are going to let them be the kind of blunt asshole that they always wanted to be throughout their entire work week. So this is going to be a lot of fun, but you need to know at what point that's too much or how many people around the table are going to really respond to this in what way. You said that you, you know, you listen to the people around the table and you check for engagement. I've been checking for engagement this entire time. All 12 sessions after every single encounter, I want to see who is engaged in what. And that is going to help me build my final encounters with the these these nemeses these people that are standing in the way the big bosses the the evil guy that you're fighting the when you come to the resolution what is going to feel like it has the best payoff 
And you're only going to get that feeling if everyone is sitting on the edge of their seat. You should have had 12 sessions by now to get there to give this to them. And they're going to spend the next week or two weeks or however long it is before the next session grinning about, yeah, 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 fuck those guys. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> right. And they're going to be really happy. They're going to be messaging each other about it. They're going to be excited to come back for D&D. This is going yeah. to allow you to give them darker, heavier things later because this is the taste of victory. But you need to know what their particular taste is. You n- hit the nail on the head there, Adam. Like it, y- you need to be paying attention to your party uh, all the way through. If you're like me and you uh, are kind of bad when it comes to note taking <laughs> by uh, as a DM and as as a player, um, it's it's really getting a feel for their characters. I would I would again double back and I, I mentioned this earlier. Really, this is a good time to even do some character work because they're starting now that they're feeling this power, this victory, they're starting to understand where their character sits. Um, and now understanding where the character is, you can start to throw in based off their backstory or whatever sort of extra documentation you have about their character. You can now start to build into them this way. And this will also help them feel this catharsis, this sense of power because, because there is a, there's a comfort in knowing who you are. There's a comfort in the confidence of what your character is. And uh, by the time you're done all of this, you have now pulled out all the stops to put down this threat that's been hounding you since level one, since, since session one. So now that you are confident in who you are as a character, you can now start having some character development things happening. And when you come to the end of one of these big battles, um, when you come to the end of one of these arcs, it's important to have some sort of character building event happen in it or around it or immediately preceding, immediately following it. There needs to be some sort of character work that is starting to be injected here at this level, at this, at the end of this first arc that is going to propel and draw the characters, the players, to move forward beyond here. Because as much as we are really investing in the catharsis, we are really also investing in, we still got shit to do. And and I think you hit the nail on the head when you're like, doing this early gives you as the DM the freedom to hit them with bigger, deeper, more dark uh, content later on. Yeah, and I, I like the idea as well of doing this at the end of level three, just because, look... We're talking D&D 5th edition at the moment, and that is just what you are hitting. You're stepping up. You're level four now. You're getting your first ability score improvement. You are getting your first feat. Yep. This is when you feel your power going up. Look what we accomplished, but also look at how freaking badass I am now. So you don't need to give them a whole bunch of, of mechanical rewards. There's one built into the game right here. Yep. At this level. So I So you give them story rewards. So I get yeah, I'm gonna hand out story story rewards and emotional validation. And that that's what this is. You should circle up the NPCs that are available afterwards and have each one of them give some sort of congratulation or at least acknowledge that well this is over. And before you hit the what's next, before you decide that you gotta head back to Sandspit. Before you go to report back to the Black Ink Union, you should have the opportunity to be a master of your own realm for a little while, a short rest even. It doesn't matter how long you're, you're taking on this, as long as you allow your characters to breathe. You yep. as a dungeon master, I myself would show this with body language at the very end of the session because we're going to wrap it all up. Everyone's going to pat themselves in the back and I'm going to lean back in my chair. I'm going to push back from the table and say, that was awesome. And by putting it in the past tense, I'm saying that, hey, this has been wrapped up. Good for you. That's great. I feel like we just finished a mini campaign here. And 12 sessions, honestly, that that's a lot. Like, that that's a long time for people to be playing. We're talking three months of engagement at this point. Yep. And to have all that wrap up, it's, it's a really good amount of time in real life as well. If you're doing every other week, then this is six months. This is a good time to get that real sense of catharsis. To say, hey, look, we accomplished this. I'm excited to be level four now. And now they're thinking about what's going to be like at level nine, right? Their yeah. their minds are starting to, to look to the future. This is just such a great opportunity, a low level, to hit with this, this level of, of engagement uh, emotionally. Because this is going to have them want to come back and dig into these characters and feel like big 
damned heroes. All right, Adam. So we are now on the stage, uh, the part of the show where we we uh, get together and we bring out three dynamic encounters each that are really going to help reinforce this idea of catharsis, uh, the wrapping up of this story. We are going to be building up this conflict with Lachlan's lot that will come to a head and be completed by the end of this uh, episode. So uh, let's go ahead. Let's roll our dice for initiative and give uh, three dynamic encounters towards the build up and breaking down of Lachlan's lot. Let's roll the dice here. <laughs> Natural 20. You bitch, I got a 17. Well, uh, you can just take the 17 and shove it because Aww. I'm going first. At this point, um, if you remember in the last episode, there were a whole bunch of clues that we were trying to pick up about where Lachlan's lot is hiding. And uh, the clues have led now to the warehouse district. And this is my first one. This is going to end up being a combat to exploration because there has been rumors that Lachlan's lot has been reportedly skulking around here looking for a crate of magical weapons. The warehouse in question is going to have a number of animated guards that come to life which is the combat portion of this. So you bust into this warehouse looking for, for Lachlan's lot. The reason they haven't come in here yet is because there are these inanimate objects that will come to life. And I'm thinking suits of armor or statues off the top of my head, but it could really be anything. You could have a pile of debris start to swirl and form and just be splintering wood and rusted nails coming at you in a vague shape of a humanoid. Like whatever you want to, but it's an inanimate object. This is a security system that's here. And as they're fighting your players, they smash the ground if they miss their targets. So I would give them a very low modifier to hit but do a ton of damage. And so they're always going to be smashing. And I, and I would describe it. Their hands come down from over top of their head and they smash on the floor beside you as you move out of the way. But after a number of misses and I track his DM, and it doesn't have to be much because remember, combat rarely lasts four rounds. But after a number of misses, the ground is going to cave in and is going to hit the basement and then again down to the sub-basement. And this is going to disorient everybody. You're going to be in a brand new space. There's going to be difficult terrain everywhere now. But one of the things that happened was a whole pile of miscellaneous wands got strewn about. And so now you realize that down here, these things are even more powerful. And the only way to fight them is with wands. But each wand has, I don't know, one charge of a specific kind of spell that your, your guys don't normally have access to. So you have to run over, pick up the wand, shoot them, and then drop the wand, run over, pick up another one, and shoot and shoot that one. And so you're running around exploring. So that's why it's combat to exploration here, is you have to find these these weapons around that are going to help you fight these, these creatures that are there. And it could just yeah. even be a wand of dispel magic, but just one charge. Or I like the idea of all of these things um, smashing the ground, all of these constructs smashing the ground, and then it crashes into the sub-basement, and they all seem broken until they start to reform into one giant one. And you need to use Dispel <laughs> the Magic. The Megazord! <laughs> well, yeah, and you're using your, your Dispel Magic to knock off bits and pieces, limbs of them, of this thing, as yeah. it goes. It's got seven arms now, and and the only way to do it is to take it away a piece at a time. As, as an aside, like, I really like that idea of a visible dismantling of an enemy so you could see like the process like you are standing in front of a creature with eight arms and if you do enough damage one of the arms falls off now it has seven arms you know that there's been damage done some progress is happening right uh or like when i'm describing combat i'm, I'm putting a lot of effort into explaining and describing just how deep the wounds have cut or just how weary this person looks or, or this uh opponent looks and this is a great opportunity to get ridiculous with it because you have a multi-armed autonom uh, autonomous guardian just losing his crap. And like you could even it's picked up some of the rubble around it and is fighting with some of the rubble around it. And you, you could really bring in this interesting uh, combat with it. I would also if I have like my, my warrior, my outdoorsman, my criminals, these guys who rely heavily on their weapons their weapons have fallen out of their hands. They're level three. They could very easily be disarmed. Their weapons have been lost to the rubble around them, at least temporarily. And these wands are the closest thing at hand to really encourage our, you know, more traditionally fighty classes to pick up the wands and start trying some weird arcane shit. I would have a bunch of these as well, because remember that there's, 
there's a check that has to be made to use a magical device that you're not familiar with. So, look, I, I, I really like this because um, it, it also gives you the sense of victory because you're going to find these weapons. Whatever these weapons are that Lachlan's Lot was looking for. And they mm-hmm. it, maybe it's not a crate of weapons. Everyone thought it was a crate of weapons, but it was just a crate of wands of Dispel Magic. Or maybe whatever the MacGuffin is, the sheriff is going to show up at the end and say, thanks very much for getting this. I'll put this in holding. So your players don't get it in the long term, but they did remove this piece, this this integral part of Lachlan's Lot's uh, plan for escape. Okay, so uh, I, I, I really want to play on the fact that the council is important. The council kind of runs this town and getting on the good side of the council is going to be important for the players. I want the council to be something that the party could go to to kind of help learn this last little bit of knowledge about Lachlan's Lot. So I have here a role-playing to role-playing encounter as the uh, party sits down with this council that they've now befriended um, or, or at least proven useful to, to get and make their case that the council needs to help with Lachlan's Lot and further purging them from the town. Um, this is going to be not quite a legal proceeding. We've already done that. This is just your party trying to convince a bunch of highfalutin nobles that they should probably draw their attention to this issue. And now that we've helped your town, we've got a little bit of ammo to use to get you to help us out here. I will have this mage that um, we've been building up over the past couple uh, sessions. I will have him being the one who's kind of leading the proceedings. He's the one that... Um, he may even be vouching for the party in some way, shape, or form to, to build up this sense of betrayal that we as the DMs know is coming. So this whole proceeding is going to be interrupted by an illusion or a projection of some sort of Lachlan's crazy uncle. This like personification of all the bad stuff that's been going on with Lachlan's lot. And he's going to come in and he's going to start demanding, making threats, offering counterpoints to the council. Um, and now you have to battle with this war of words with something that you can't target. It is just an illusion. But you have to figure this out to get this council on your side so that you can have the freedom to do what you need to do in the city to finally put this threat to your party down. So so this is a role-playing to role-playing then? Yeah, it's a role-playing to role-playing encounter where it, it, it shifts from you giving this one-sided argument to now you having to battle and offer counterpoints with someone who isn't even really brave enough to show up himself here. Now, this is probably because he knows that if he did show up face-to-face, your party would just arrest him on the spot in any way, shape, or form that they could. So, so you are showing a little bit of the power, but also the weakness of Lachlan's Lot in this moment, at least Lachlan's uncle, who is our representative of Lachlan's Lot. Now, I would I would say also, and I think that this is important, the city council, the city of the Jingling City, does not like Lachlan's Lot at all. No. I would say the, the only reason that they might not be willing to help is because they don't want the bad press, or maybe they've... Uh, They've always gotten donations every year from from the Lachlan's lot, even though there was no there was no actual chapter house that was active inside the city for the last ten years or so. They've always gotten that little payment, right? Like, there's got to be some politically motivated reason for them not to do this. But I mean, honestly, these guys are bad guys. They need to be put down. Is enough enough? Is a push come to shove? And maybe that's uh, maybe that's what this role playing encounter is, where you have to trap. Lachlan's uncle, who we never bothered to name. Again, the names are the least important part of the NPC. But um, they they may have to trap him into making a mistake, slipping up, threatening them. Maybe maybe he comes at them with an act of terrorism, or he admits to that act of terrorism that uh, that he did back in Sandspit many Mm -hmm. sessions ago, right? So um, they really have to, this is the opportunity, I would say, to really reveal Lachlan's lot. Because you pushed him to the edge. This is Jack Nicholson at the end of A Few Good Men. Where he finally, he's on the stand, he just loses his shit and he goes, fine, fine, here's the truth. And he just goes off. And I think that that would be a really great moment for the party to feel like, yeah, yeah, we made you overreact. How does that feel? Funny enough, this entire time we've talked about Lachlan's uncle, I've pictured Jack Nicholson in my mind. So this fits. Just like angry and spitting and the eyebrows. I love it. I love it. (laughs) It's funny, I always picture Christopher Lloyd. Really? Yeah. I mean, one flew over a cuckoo's nest. They're both in it. Okay, for my second one, 
I want this to feel like the, the actual exploration of the city is still important. We've talked about how spectacular and splendid and wonderful this place is. We've done a little bit of exploring into the tunnels, but now I want to chase through the vertical city. Let's go up. Ladders, tunnels, bridges, NPCs in the way. I, I like the idea of there being all these floating lanterns around. Maybe this is at night and you are chasing maybe an Aarakocra version of our uh, member of Lachlan's Lot who's wounded. Hmm. Right. And so can only fly little bits of pieces and then has to has to climb up. He made it almost to the bridge and then had to grab onto it and he had to climb up. He's catching his breath as you race to catch up with him. And every time that you start to get a little bit closer, he moves on to the next bridge and you got to go up a ladder and then you've got your outdoorsman who's doing a backflip over here and the criminal is scaling up a rope. And, and the, it, this is a skill challenge. And everybody is chasing this guy to get the final information of uh, where exactly the uh, Lachlan's lot is, where are they hiding, and, and, and getting that final piece of info before you get to that showdown. So the skill challenge, I think, would be uh, a lot of fun, but this one's also going to hurt because you don't want to fall. We, we've really established what the feel of this town is, and uh, we've, we've done a lot of that through... Very insular encounters. We've had a couple that involve running through the, like, making it from point A to point B in the town and how difficult that is. But having this be a full chase, having this be, uh, have this sense of urgency. Um, I love the idea of it maybe being an Aarakocra where, like, okay, now this guy could fly, but we've, we've got two elves, because you always have more elves than anything else. Two elves, a human and a half-orc, and a dwarf. How the hell are we doing this? Right? Like, I, I, I love... Um, adding that difficulty to it um, and it really will inspire a lot of creativity. I, I like skill challenges for this reason. It really inspires a lot of creativity around the table, I find. Like the second you go, you're not allowed to just shoot a magic missile at this one, guys. What do you want to do? It it, it, it always you, works out. You can out. go right ahead, but it's got shield or mage armor or whatever that defensive spell is. It just negates magic missile. Right. Or yeah. he, if he's out of range or like you have to put your hands on him to stop him. So with my next encounter, I want to start building into this uh, additional threat that we've we've we have said in the pot uh, in this podcast as this archmage who is being controlled by an imp. I want to start laying the groundwork a little bit of there being more weird shit going on in this town um, that could involve more than just the old gods. I want to have that little bit of fiendish impression, this fiendish color of uh, of this town. So what I want to happen is I want this imp to start messing with the party. The party has now drawn this imp's uh, attention, maybe not necessarily ire, but attention. And now this imp is going to mess with the party. And uh, this is funny enough is I, I don't want it to be a combat because... If you were to have a full-out slugfest with an imp, uh, chances are at level three, you'd win. That imp won't last a round. No. So uh, this imp uh, is still a devil, is still uh, intelligent as hell, mischievous, and um, isn't going to let the party have combat with it, but instead wants to just mess with the party, upset their sense of home, upset their sense of calm. So uh, this is going to be an exploration to role-playing encounter as the party uh, wakes up in wherever they're staying, whatever their kind of home base in the Jingling City is. Um, but they're trapped because all of the doors and windows have been molded over with dirt or 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 they're just gone. They're dis they've disappeared. And now your party has to try to get out of their own home, someplace they know, but the place is now strewn with traps. Uh, the main paths of egress are limited, if not completely removed. And your party has to try to figure their way out through this. And by the time they get down to the lower levels, they will find that the mischievous imp, grinning gleefully, will inform the party that it's been fun testing them. And, and you get to have this fun little interaction with him uh, while, I don't know, you're probably going to have some of the slower members of the party still working their way to him while this interaction starts. If anyone moves to fight him at all, the ready to action where he turns invisible and teleports out triggers. And as soon as he does, the house reverts back to its natural state, proving that this has just been a imp messing with the party. I would try to give the imp as much freedom as possible to kind of just poke and prod and, and, show the party that there's still going to be uh, 
creatures and adversaries out there that are more powerful to them. And I really want to establish to the party that this is going to happen again when they least expect it. it it's going to kind of pull out the rug from the party a little bit um, in the hopes that when all of this stuff with Lachlan's Lot is done, because we're wrapping this up, they have another target to work towards. So I'll, I, I got a question then. Sure. What what kind of uh, what kind of encounter is this? This is an exploration to role playing as they have to the party has to figure out their way to get out of their home, which the only way out is going to be through the front door where the imp is there. And they are now stuck in their rooms. They're stuck wherever they are and they have to fight their way out through traps and through uh, illusions that the that the imp has set up. I like the idea of the imp being invisible the entire time. There should be almost no way for the party to see an invisible creature. So having a disembodied voice taunt them and lead them through the traps. Be like, And you really expect to defeat Lachlan's Lot by doing this? And on and on and on. And you can introduce the voice and give the voice a name. Have the imp pop, pop it up and say, hey, my name is this, but doesn't reveal that it's an imp. Maybe they think it's a ghost or it's a yeah. god or whatever it is. Um and the imp, by the way, his name is going to be Camion. I've already decided this. But uh, yep. the the imp is going to, to drop all of these hints about, about you know, I've been, maybe he's been working with Lachlan's lot and, you know, time is up. And whoever the, the uncle is uh, welched on a deal. And so the imp now is sitting going, you know, I, I'm all about getting uh, getting revenge. But are you guys worthy? Are you really worthy of this? And maybe that's why the mage is is working against Lachlan's lot because it's the imp setting it up and playing kind of a puppet master, but you never know yep. that it's an imp. It's not until much later that you find out that this disembodied voice of Camion that should show up occasionally over the next few sessions actually is a bad guy. He should be mischievous. He should be a pain in the ass. But he's not antagonistic right now. No, I Like, not directly. Yeah, no, I think he's passive aggressive. He's that level of antagonistic. Yeah. I think he is antagonistic, but he's, he's there to mock the warrior's battle dress right he's he's not he's not there to actually you call that damage. a breastplate <laughs> and you so, call that you call that a swing yeah i, I just said well that's an awfully uh, small hammer you have there bud like i i would just <laughs> i i would really needle at the party's ego with this and then when they do get out i would have them get out and everything goes back to normal and then they get the message you are worthy here's a new piece of information this is what you need to know to defeat Lachlan's lot. Yeah. Give that level of reward and catharsis. Okay, so for my last one, um, it's going to be pretty straightforward here. I've got an exploration to combat because the remaining members are trapped somewhere in the tunnels below the town. They have been hiding and, and the sheriff or the mage or whoever, an NPC, has chased them to the mouth of the tunnels and watch them go down and they know it's a dead end. There's no way out of these tunnels, but it's a maze down there. We've established a couple of times that the tunnels are crazy labyrinths. And so the party knows this and maybe has this information from this imp character. I'm going to build off of yours, Dan. And uh, so they have the information about where to go to fight, but they've got to get down there. They've got to explore. They're going to find some clues. Maybe they can block off some other ways to, to head around. Like as they find dead ends and they clear it out, they're able to mold earth some way or, or cave in the ceiling so you can't go this way again, right? And and I think the mage or I, I think it would be the mage, maybe not the sheriff. The mage will guard the entrance to the tunnels, uh, showing that he has sided with the party now. I'm all in. Let's do this. And he's going to guard the entrance so that uh, if Lachlan's Lot doubles back, there's no way out. And the mage is going to be, you know, level five, right? He's going to be pretty powerful. He's going to stand back and you guys are going to go flush out. The party's going to go flush out uh, Lachlan's Lot. There's going to be combat. And I think that this is hit and run tactics by Lachlan's Lot. Think almost like kobold tactics. Okay. Where they're popping in and out. There's a whole bunch of traps. There's, uh, they shoot down a long corridor. You turn the corridor, it's it's 160 feet long. They shoot bow and arrow th down the corridor. It hits you and then they're gone. You can't even get there at the end of one turn. And by the time that you do turn the corner to see what direction they went, there's a fork in the road. And there's there's a number of, of different frustrating traps, but you are consistently exploring the area and running across one goon. You know, 17 guys went down into these tunnels. Start crossing those names off. Yeah. This is it. This is your final. You know you're coming up to it now. You know that, that this is it. 
So let's let's weed out some of the some of the little lieutenants and the minions and whatnot because the higher ups are going to be you know covering their own ass. They're going to be saving their own bacon. So I I would also recommend like some of these faces should probably be familiar to the party. Oh, I think so. Right, I, I think definitely, and I, that's one of the things that I've assumed that we would have constant faces that that we've fought before. Um, we had a number of different encounters back in Sandspit with Lon- with Lachlan's Lot. They've just hit over and over and over and yeah. over. And we keep saying, well, we don't want it to feel safe. And just as the guys are relaxing, Lachlan's Lot is coming out again. And, and you know, at what point, uh, come on, at what point do your guys just stop relaxing? Because Lachlan's Lot is always around the corner. So they're going to have personal relationships. They're going to be frustrated with these guys. It's going to feel good to take them down. Oh yeah, and and I mean the way I the way I kind of vision it in my head is you know that first time that Lockins Law jumped the party in the alley, um, which we talked about way back when when the party finally made it back to town the first time through. There was that one thug who had his eyebrow burned off by the mage, and here he is in this combat with the barest stubble of an eyebrow growing back. And you know it's that guy, but he's he's got that scar. Like these guys are carrying battle wounds from previous engagements with the party. And they're carrying vendettas, I would assume, as well. Like that one eyebrowed man is probably gonna target the mage more so than anybody else. And if he can figure you out mean, a way to sorry, get you mean back the party's in, mage, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the party's mage. If he if if this thug with one eyebrow can figure out how to get to that guy and make him pay. This is his moment. This is, and like, this is do or die. Hopefully without the die, because we, we are discouraging murder hoboism. But this, this is a the do or die moment for the thugs to finally put down the party. Yeah. And re- remember, there's been a lot of like knocking people out and getting arrested. And these guys all escaped from the courtroom sessions ago. So they would have had to have been subdued. We've had these fights before, but now the enemy is desperate and they're hitting harder. Yeah, the, the, the thugs are definitely hitting to kill. And then finally, here we are. This 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 has got to be where it is. We're at the final battle. My guess is it's going to be happening in these tunnels below the city. But it's the final battle with Lachlan's uncle, this sitting supervisor of Lachlan's lot in this area that has caused you and the party so much trouble. I wouldn't say it's Lachlan himself, mostly because we haven't introduced Lachlan. We haven't done that, and it's a large guild. There's going to be other Lachlan's Lots guys up and around the town, but are up and around the region. But here, this is the final guy. This is the guy you definitely want to try to bring in alive to pay um, and it's going to be the one guy. And you know you have the backing of the council. You know you have the backing of the people of the town. There's no way these guys are getting out. So um, in this battle with Lachlan's uncle, who I would play kind of as a shifty battle master, um, maybe throw a couple levels of rogue in there as well with him, um, mostly because this guy, he is a puppet master. He wants to control the combat and battle master leans really well into that. But anyways, uh, you, you, you fight. It is a straight up combat to role playing fight here. Um, you're fighting with him, but at half health, as he continues to defend and realizes that he's going to lose this fight, he is trying to inform them that, Hey, uh, and, and like inform them as though he is being watched that there is a bigger threat than him and that they may put him down, but he's not the only person targeting this party now, right? And and he's he's either taunting or he has just finally become resolved with the fact that he's not winning this engagement. I think you've got to be really careful with the balance here because that doesn't feel cathartic to me. That feels like it's a tease to the next thing. Like no matter what we've done, there's still a bigger problem out there. Okay. So I think that I think that he needs to drop some hints, right? And and he but needs- not nothing too blatant. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, this is not my fault. You don't even know what's going on here. Uh, how dare you if, you? if only you could see it from my perspective, right? And you're throwing the tantrum. Emotionally, he's having a tantrum as he's losing. Yeah. But his words will have some truth that if they think back on it later, they'll be able to say, oh, that's what he meant. And I'd go real subtle with it. I'd go really subtle. Something just like, you know, there are men in the shadows that are watching us all the time. And then literally you're fighting men in shadows in like, we know we're fighting drow. 
right? You, know, you you think you think because you're all high and mighty that you guys could just side with every elf that exists, but there's there's stuff out there that right, and I would just I would go on and just just monologuing this nonsense. Be really careful though when you start to say you said at half health he uh, he he starts to inform them of things. Be careful. We're talking level three gnome at this point. His half health is like three hit points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair right? enough. So. I would have there be some sort of barrier where you can see and talk to him. Maybe maybe a showdown where he captures uh, Oscar, the half-orc uh, NPC that's been hanging out with you guys. And you have a bit of a Mexican standoff, right? Like, wh- whatever it is, there should, there should definitely be a stalling tactic so he can get this information out. He knows he's lost. And I think that he should try to give this information. He's got to be as subtle as possible. He's shifty. He's looking around. He doesn't know if Camion's listening. Yeah, because this disembodied voice could be anywhere. Do do you do you drop the name Camion here? No, no, I wouldn't. I would just say that that there are forces out there um, beyond our mortal plane. Later, they're going to be able to tie together that, that Camion when we reveal Camion's an imp. Oh, that's who we meant, right? But I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't tie that all together. Just. Just leave these generic doomsday stuff. You'll need me. Everyone needs Lachlan's lot because we can't do it alone. I've seen the future. And and he's just going off, right? He's just going off. And he... You're going to be more trouble than you're worth, and you'll bring the ruin to all of us. And I've I've seen that you'll be the go full Scooby Doo with this. Oh, absolutely, Scooby Doo this up. Yeah. So that when he's carried away, y'all, I, and I could have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you pesky kids, right? Like really, <laughs> really hammer yeah. that home because later, and I'm just this is occurring to me now. The survivors of Lachlan's lot should be held in the same internment camp that Tremblay is in the Underdark later in like tier. three two or three when oh yeah that's great and you've got to team up with them maybe even with lachlan himself to rescue everybody including this uncle who is going to turn around and say i tried to warn you and then you have like uh if you play your cards right you could have an npc out of this guy who is with the party who is an ally and have this redemptive arc with this uh npc i love it i love it i love it I love it. And we've circled back to an unreliable NPC. Started off on the bad foot, slowly became more trustworthy, but will you ever truly trust him? But first you need this level of catharsis to say, hey, we beat you so that he's not going to try to beat you back later. Right? I think that once he's defeated, he knows it. All right, Adam, is there anything else we want to add um, as a little tidbit of knowledge or um, everything here? As we've discussed, having this sense of catharsis as we are wrapping up a main story arc. By the end of this session, we should have Lachlan's uncle in jail or imprisoned. Um, and the party, for the most part, shouldn't have to worry about Lachlan's lot again for a few levels at least. Um, is is there anything we want to add here? Uh, any little tidbits of information we left out? Any any little knowledge we left out? As you're wrapping up the story arc, and you are starting to end this thematic beat, uh, these these plot points have come to an end. You're no longer doing the guild warfare. It's time for another setting change. And this is a part of the hero's journey that we've spoken about um, in the past, where we we haven't really done a deep dive into the hero's journey, but your heroes, your players have been common people that have stepped up, they've gone out, they've gained more power, they've defeated the bad guy, and now it's time to return home. Better than they left, changed fundamentally somehow, return as yep. heroes. So I would say that as we talked about, um, you know, it might be it might be a good opportunity for them to be a little bit of downtime or for them to have a short rest. Maybe they get a couple of fun random encounters on the road back. These are not dynamic encounters, so I don't really feel the need to spend any major time on them. But they get they get some neat stuff. To, they go back and they see the Darklings again, and the Darklings reward them with a feast. And there is that return home factor, because we've got to be back in Sandspit by the beginning of the next session. And so I would I could even hand wave this and say, your travels are fine. Or have a single fun encounter on the way. Or whatever it is. You get a message from Tremblay saying, congratulations. Like, wait a minute. How did he know so quickly? <laughs> I've been watching this entire time. Wait a minute. Was that, was the voice Tremblay? Was Tremblay messing with us? <laughs> so, so there are a lot of different things that you can do to reward them by having one final fun encounter or and it could even be at the beginning of of the next session let them just revel in their victory for a week but they're gonna have to take the time to level 
They're going to want to do some shopping with the rewards that they get. They're going to want to say farewell to the Jingling City. Let them. Yep. But tell them, you need to go back. You've done what you were supposed to do. Tremblay and the Black Ink Union still need you. Your moonlighting as deputies and bounty hunters is now over. It's time to go home. And so I would really wrap that up. And changing the setting, returning home, is a great way to end, to to resolve an, an arc. Um, that would be that would be my suggestion to people. If you have the opportunity, send them back to where they came from, which is why I never like destroying yeah. the original town. I always want there to be a home that you can go back to and so that we can do time jumps even between levels. When you complete a story arc, we can say, that's great. You guys go back. You have three months of downtime. Nothing happens for three months. What do you want to do? Yep. Maybe not this time. I wouldn't do three months this time, but, <laughs> but, uh, but really. No, you're going to want to, you're going to want to shift it pretty immediately after this one is, is my guess. Yeah. And, and again, little rewards and little boons and, and things are going to make this feel really good. But the real thing that you want to hit here is the, the idea of emotional resolution, closure, and catharsis. So, now that we've finally defeated our enemies and brought them to justice, it's our time to unclench our butts and relax. This will let us raise our glass to our victories and imbibe some liquid courage for whatever comes next. Tune in next week when we discuss the major differences between wilderness and urban settings. Thanks for listening to this episode of the It's a Mimic Campaign Builder. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcast catchers. And all of our episodes, as well as a big fancy donate button, are available at www.itsamimic.com. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and more. And we would love to hear your thoughts on how you would use this episode in your own homebrew campaigns. I'm Adam. And I'm Dan. And we'll be back with more prep work next week. Fantastic. All right, so just delete my entire spiel I just did, and we'll just move on to the next topic. Okay, bye.